0: This is an ODB Films production. Visit odbfilms.com today. In Latin, renovo means to renew, restore, or revive. This is the show where we explore the miraculous nature of the mundane as we look at one part of the Catholic tradition to help you engage more fully in the practice of faith. Past episodes are available at renovopodcast.com. I am Doug Took, and today we're going to dig into the Stations of the Cross. I have... Always wondered where this came from, where this awesome practice was. I have memories as being a a little altar boy at St. Andrew Parish in Sumner, Washington, with Father Delahante coming out on a weekday and walking with that incredible candle while we recited the stations. And then uh, one of my most vivid memories um, World Youth Day 2002, St. John Paul II. The they the enacted stations in the streets like, oh, my gosh, amazing drama. The theater theater department from the University of Toronto or Toronto University. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, oh, my gosh. Like an amazing experience. So this is powerful. We pray these all the time during the year, during Lent. Um, young people uh, sometimes find like a real beautiful understanding of the incarnation through a prayer of the stations. It's, it's, it's a cool thing. But where the heck did these things come from? So I'm excited about this. So here's what we know. The States of the Cross, basically in the form that we kind of know today in American Catholicism, is pretty recent, actually. It's kind of kind of came around the way we know it about the same time the Constitution got signed. Okay, so there's a lot of history that goes back way before that to the days when like original pilgrims were allowed to go to Jerusalem and walk in the footsteps of Jesus. But what we understand to be the stations is actually pretty recent. So we've talked about this a lot, but like the Emperor Constantine basically says, okay, Christianity, you're legal uh, in the Roman Empire, 313 after 250 years of persecution. So in 335, Constantine, he erects the Church of the Holy Sepulchre at the site where Jesus tomb was believed to have been. So he kind of gives the green light to celebrate this publicly. And right away, and this is cool to know right away, there's these incredible processions of pilgrims to that church, especially during Holy Week. I mean, right after this thing is built, Europeans are like, I'm going there. I got to see it. Okay, so we know a woman named Egeria, a pilgrim from France, she wrote about this. She describes this pilgrimage that she took in the fourth century. Um, The Bishop of Jerusalem and about 200 pilgrims began at the first cock crow at the sight of Jesus' agony on Holy Thursday night. And they said a prayer, sung a hymn, and heard a gospel passage, and then went to the Garden of Gethsemane and repeated the procedure. We have this letter. So they continued to Jerusalem itself, quote, Reaching the city gate about the time when one man begins to recognize another, daylight, and thence right on through the midst of the city, all to a man, both great and small, rich and poor, all are ready there. For on that special day, not a soul withdraws from the vigils until morning, she wrote in her special journal, which we have. That's pretty amazing. So pilgrimage, pilgrimage is, I should say, eventually took like a totally fixed route um, from the ruins of like the fortress of Antonio, uh, Antonia, where Pilate had his last judgment, the judgment in the hall to the church of the Holy Sepulchre. That That, that kind of route began to take place and that route through Jerusalem's old city gained acceptance as essentially the way Jesus went to his death and it pretty much remains unchanged today which is incredible and there are certain sections stairways that are the exact stairs that would have been the exact walk that he took amazing so it's known as the via dolorosa Latin for the sorrowful way. And all of you that have ever pilgrimaged to the Middle East, you already know this. You know this about the Holy City. But for those of us that never have, that's amazing to know that it's still very much in place. So stops developed kind of along the way to note like specific events on the road to Calvary. So there's these markers that are telling us this is what happened. So in a lot of cases, the pilgrims could actually they were only kind of guessing where stuff took place in Jerusalem um, that had been pretty much destroyed completely in 70 AD. So they were really kind of putting together where they thought the spots were. But the pilgrims kind of brought back oil from the lamps that burned around Jesus' tomb and relics from holy places and sometimes tried to like recreate in Europe what they had seen in the holy land. So relics of the, the, the road to Calvary became a part of European worship. So the Muslim conquest of Palestine in the 7th century actually made these shrines way more significant since it may travel to the Holy Land way more dangerous. So the popularity in these European shrines really grew. And of course, European Catholicism heavily inspired, influenced American Catholicism. So devotions to the way of the cross began pretty much more similar to what we see now after 1342, when Franciscan friars were basically given custody of the holy site's In the Holy Land, the Franciscans um, have always been kind of closely identified with this devotion ever since. And for years, church regulations actually required a set of the stations to be blessed by a Franciscan whenever possible. That's how closely they were associated. That's pretty neat. There's actually, you know, a lot of story about uh, Pope or sorry, not Pope (laughs) St. Francis of Assisi encountering the Crusades and his devotion Um, towards the healing of the route. So there's more on that. Actually, we're going to do a Renovo on Crusades, which is pretty cool. So the number of stations actually varied a lot. There wasn't 14, 15. There wasn't this notion of resurrection and empty tomb just yet. Um, There was a couple of like kind of old manuals for devotion, but some of them had listed as many as like 37 stops or stations. That's amazing. Can you imagine how long that would be? Every Friday during Lent, soup and bread would be smelling in the background while we just ale. Okay, anyway, the term stations is actually described uh, describing the way of the cross was first used in the narrative of an English pilgrim. His name was William way who visited the Holy land twice in the 15th century. So depictions of the events described in the stations actually didn't start becoming all that common in churches in Europe until Pope innocent the 11th permitted the Franciscans in 1686 to erect a display in all of their churches. And then we started to hone down how many stations there actually were that Pope actually declared that all indulgences or blessings on the pilgrimage be given for visiting the sacred sites in the Holy Land would also apply to Franciscan uh, or Franciscan lay affiliates visiting a set of stations in the church. So praying the stations, the church is saying, "Hey, there's a real special blessing in this, whether it's in the Holy Land or actually in these European churches. That's kind of cool." Pope Benedict the Thirteenth um, extended that to all the faithful in 1726. Five years later, Pope Clement the Twelfth allowed all churches to have stations and he is the one who fixed the number at 14 even though that number had been floating around and pretty popular up until then he kind of said these are the official stations now sometimes we have a 15th station which is the resurrection but benedict the 14th specifically urged every church in 1742 to enrich its sanctuary with stations hence european church impacted church architecture that's why we have them in our churches now so two franciscan's of the era did a lot to spread kind of the pope's wishes saint leonard of port-maurice Erected stations at more than 500 churches in Italy. That's cool. And St. Alphonsus Liguri, who's amazing, 1787, wrote the version of the stations that actually a lot of Americans recognize today because it was used in most churches in the United States through the 19th and 20th century. So one saint kind of gave us that language. That's pretty cool. It has become standard for Catholic churches in this country to recite the prayers related to the stations on the Fridays of Lent specifically. And a lot of churches have two services, one in the afternoon, mainly for kids and one in the evening, mainly for, for um, parents. Now, some Protestant churches, especially those belonging to like Episcopal or Lutheran denominations, have actually made the devotion part of their Lenten activities as well, particularly on Good Fridays. In fact, a lot of Catholic churches do ecumenical stations with, parish, with faith communities in the area, in non-denominational faithful, faith communities or Protestant faith communities, which is cool. I've been a part of a lot of those. Actually, I was at a beautiful uh, ecumenical stations of the cross. When I worked in Sumner, Washington, with the Presbyterian Church across the street, parish I'm with now, St. Samuel Methodius, they do a combined service um, with the Methodist Church, which is pretty, pretty cool. I'm excited about that. Um, The traditional 14 stations are as follows. Uh, Jesus is condemned to death. Jesus takes up his cross. Jesus falls for the first time. Jesus meets his mother. Simon of Cyrene carries the cross. Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. Jesus falls the second time. Jesus meets the daughters of Jerusalem. Jesus falls the third time. Jesus is stripped of his garments. Jesus is nailed to the cross. Jesus is crucified. Jesus is taken down from the cross. Jesus' body is laid in the tomb. That's pretty much the body of those. And notice, and we should do a show on this too, Veronica is not in scripture. Veronica really came to us through the tradition, uh, oral tradition of the way of the cross. How amazing is that? We'll talk more about that later. The third, fourth, sixth, seventh, and ninth stations are not specifically described in the gospel. uh, Nor is uh, St. Alphonsus' depiction in the 13th station of Jesus' body being laid in the arms of his mother. So in order to provide kind of a version um, more specifically aligned with like biblical accounts, St. John Paul II actually introduced the scriptural way of the cross on Good Friday, 1991. That's cool. And celebrated that form every single year at the Colosseum in Rome. Pope Benedict actually approved it for meditation and public celebration in 07. Pope Francis continues this tradition today, which is amazing. So they do a beautiful stations of the cross in the Colosseum. The version um, has kind of the following stations. So this is from the from the scripture specifically. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is betrayed by Judas, Jesus is condemned by the Sanhedrin, Jesus is denied by Peter, Jesus is judged by Pilate, is scourged and crowned with thorns, takes up his cross, Simon helps him carry the cross, Jesus meets the daughters of Jerusalem, Jesus is crucified, he promises a place in his kingdom to the good thief, Uh, Jesus entrusts Mary and John to each other, and then Jesus dies on the cross, Jesus is laid in the tomb. That's a bit different, but you can see the same progression and how it affects specifically scripture. Now, Franciscans have a really long tradition of celebrating the stations in the Colosseum on Fridays. And it's awesome that that has continued through the Vatican. 13 specially constructed biblical stations were erected around the city of Sydney, Australia um, at, at the stations for World Youth Day. That's pretty cool. And they started with the Last Supper at St. Mary's Cathedral and then the Agony of the Garden at Domain Park. I was actually at that World Youth Day. That was an amazing Stations of the Cross. Um, That happened later on. It was so cool. And they kind of ended up in the harbor and there was this huge like helicopter and boats and the Jesus figure. Oh, my gosh. Blow your mind. It was amazing. Two million people took part in it. Five hundred million people watched on TV. Holy cow. Stations of the cross. So when you pray the stations, just remember what you're praying. You're not you're not kind of placing yourself into some medieval nod towards the power of Jesus Christ. You are literally immersing yourself into uh, uh, the earliest of pilgrimage devotions like you're steeped. In a tradition in the church, that is, how do I encounter Christ's cross in a unique, powerful way? That is still today a blessing, a special blessing given by the church. That is cool. Now, here's what I love. I found these today, and I love it. Pope Francis talks specifically about what the value, what the real, Not, I don't want to use the word indulgence. We should do a show on that, too. But like the notion of a special blessing that comes from a reflection on the stations, especially for adolescents. And here's what he says. He says, the first one, he says, Praying the Stations allows us to place our trust in Christ specifically. He says, The cross of Christ contains all the love of God. There we find his immeasurable mercy. This is a love in which we can place all of our trust, in which we can believe. Let us entrust ourselves to Jesus. Let us give ourselves over to him because he never disappoints anyone. Only in Christ crucified and risen can we find salvation and redemption. That was an address he made in 2013 El World Youth Day. Second thing he says, he says, it puts us in the story and i love that that's very it's very jesuit we it places us in the midst of the passion we're in the story uh, pope francis says and you who do want to be like pilate like simon like mary jesus is looking at you now and is asking you do you want to help me carry the cross brothers and sisters pope francis says with all the strength of your youth how will you respond to him isn't that a great line so he he's saying you know when we pray the stations we become a part of the narrative. We become, here it comes, authentic. We have a relationship with our author. How cool is that? Number three, he says, they remind us that Jesus suffers with us, not just for us, but with us. Pope Francis says, the cross of Christ bears the suffering and the sin of mankind, including our own. Jesus accepts all this with open arms, bearing on his shoulders our crosses and saying to us, have courage. You do not carry your cross alone. I Will carry it with you. I have overcome death, Christ says. I have come to give you hope, to give you life. Also, part of an address to World Youth Day. How awesome is that? Really, kind of a paraphrasing of John three sixteen. Okay, Pope Francis also says the fourth thing. He says the stations compel us to action. You know, they make us want to do something about Christ. So there's a great that's that's a powerful powerful message of mission that comes from praying the, the stations. He says. But the cross of Christ invites us also to allow ourselves to be smitten by his love, teaching us always to look upon others with mercy and tenderness, especially those who suffer, who are in need of help, who need a word or a concrete action. He's literally modeling the mission for us in the stations. How great is that? Pope Francis says the stations of the cross, they help us make a decision for or against Christ, right? This is Pope Francis's mission too. It's like, do not be lukewarm. Be convicted about your choosing or not choosing of Christ. He says the cross reveals a judgment, namely that God is in judging us, loves us. That's his judgment for us. Let us remember this. God judges us by loving us. He says, if I embrace his love, then I am saved. If I refuse it, then I'm condemned, not by him, but by myself, because God never condemns. He only loves and saves. This is awesome. That's awesome. Putting the conviction, the choice on our shoulders, right? Uh, As a result of really immersing ourselves into an understanding of the stations. How cool is that? Number six, he says, Pope Francis says, the stations reveal God's response to evil in the world. Do you want to know what God thinks about evil? The stations name it. Okay. Pope Francis says the cross is the word through which God has responded to evil in the world. Sometimes it may seem as though God does not react to evil as if he's silent. And yet God has spoken. He has replied and his answer is the cross of Christ, a word which is love, mercy, and forgiveness. How cool is that? Christ says to evil, I will conquer death, which is the only thing you hold over humanity. And now you've been conquered as well. Oh my gosh. Okay, so making the cross sacred is an invitation to us to really know evil's place in the world. It has been defeated by Christ to his truth. Either embrace it. Or don't. That's a throwdown, man. Pope Francis throws down. Okay, I like this. Um, number seven, he says, the seats of the cross. He says, They give us the certainty of God's love for us. That's kind of repeating what he said before, but he says it in this way. Listen to this. Pope Francis says, What is the cross given to those who have gazed upon it and to those who have touched it? What is the cross left in each one of us? He says, You see, it gives us a treasure that no one else can give, the certainty of the faithful love which God has for us. And then if you think about it in praying the, the stations and in seeing them come alive, that statement of love says to death, I have destroyed you. That's the statement. The statement is my love is so powerful for you that it conquers death. Come re- freely receive this love. How beautiful is that? And finally, the last one Pope Francis says about praying the stations of the cross, that they guide us from the cross to the resurrection, to the risen Lord, to the good news, which I talk about all the time. okay? Here's what he says. Pope Francis says, "O our Jesus, guide us from the cross to the resurrection, and teach us that evil shall not have the last word, but love, mercy, and forgiveness. O Christ, help us to exclaim again, Yesterday I was crucified with Christ, today I am glorified with him." He says, "Yesterday I died with him, today I live with him. Yesterday I was buried with him, today I am raised." With him. That is awesome. Francis acknowledges steeping ourselves in Good Friday is what opens up the voice, the power of the empty tomb, the reasoning of the resurrection to be shared, the good news with contagious, compelling, and enthusiastic activity. How great is that? We have to know the cross before we can know the empty tomb. We have to, because it's the conquering moment. So, Think about that tradition, all right? The stations of the cross come to us. They open up for us an intimate encounter with the narrative, the story of his passion, literally. We place ourselves in the story. And while we're in the story, steeped in the characters, in the physical, actual events of Christ's death, we become in union with this incredible love, a real authentic viewing of this testimony of making the cross sacred in that sacredness, becoming the vehicle for us to literally be saved. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Don't forget to pray the stations and I'll be, I'll, I'll be bold here for a minute. Not just during Lent, by the way. There's nothing that says we can only pray them during Lent, but remembering, right? This is why we have the corpus. This is why the crucifix hangs on the walls of Catholic churches when you're When your non-denominational and Protestant friends say, what is that about? Do you worship a dead Jesus? You say, no, no, no. The only way I can worship a living Jesus is by knowing the great sacrifice of the cross. It's the only way I can really understand it. This is the bar, the level of his love for us. Now I can pursue and seek the open tomb. How beautiful is that, right? Don't forget to visit renovalpodcast.com for past episodes. Please subscribe to review and rate our podcast. We always appreciate your input. Your topic suggestions, questions, and or comments are always welcome. At Doug at Learn more about me at dugtuke.com or on Twitter and Instagram. Always remember to engage the tradition and live the conversion. Until next time. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.